Welcome back to the Board Drill Podcast. As always, I'm Kyle Bradburn, your host, and with me is my co-host, Matt Dixon. Today, we have a very special guest. We have the head coach at St. Augustine High School in St. Augustine, Florida, Brian Braddock. Welcome to the show, Coach. Thanks. Appreciate you having me. There we go. Matt, we have to do our clap. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Braddock. There we go. I lost my soundboard all of a sudden, so maybe one of these days we'll get... Here we go. We'll figure it out one day. There. Oh, it's not live. All right. Um, so, Coach... Uh, <laughs> terrible, what a start. Terrible, terrible opening this episode. Uh, but that's what we're all, all about. We're just slappies. So, Coach is 93-35 and 35 as the head coach. He's 15-8 and eight in the playoffs. Seven-time district champion, three-time region champion, and a state final appearance this season. He's a three-time FACA District Coach of the Year. He's the Action Sports Jacks Northeast Florida Coach of the Year three times, including this year. And he was the Jacksonville Jaguars Coach of the Year. So that was a, a big accomplishment. I saw that on Twitter. I was excited about that. I finished second in the Florida Dairy Farmers Florida class. Uh, what are they? Three Suburban now Coach of the Year voting in 23. And coach, for the first time on the show, someone shared us their family um, in their in their sheet, which I really appreciated. He is married uh, for 18 years to his awesome wife, Jenna. He has two sons, Jackson and Benjamin. So, Coach, welcome to the show. It's fantastic. I was super impressed. You're the first one that's included their family. So a true family man here that we have in here. Great job. That's so, Coach, absolutely. we're going to start off with this season, 2023. Huge year for you guys. I know it quite uh, didn't quite end the way you wanted, but a trip all the way to the state championship, and really that game came down to the absolute wire. Why don't you talk us through the season and, and kind of the successes that, that went on in 2023? Yeah, um, it, was, it was a really, um, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a really meaningful year um, in a lot of ways. We, uh, we knew we had a young, talented team in 2022, and uh, <clears throat> had some bumps, as you will, when you're starting anywhere between nine and 12 sophomores every Friday and uh, you know, had a disappointing ending to our 2022. We were winning a game by three scores in the second half and, uh, and a really good football team came back and beat us in the first round of the playoffs. And it's just, you know, a lot of what ifs and, and thought we could have, could have done some things even then with a really young team. But uh, coming back, we had a, a bunch of really good football players, a, a quality senior class with some great kids and some good football players and a, and, and our junior class, probably as good a class as I've ever had as a head coach. And uh, so we had put some pressure on ourselves to a degree. A lot of people were saying really nice things about our team um, for whatever that's worth, that they thought we could have a, a really big year. And, um, you know, the start of the year, um, you know, for us, we were just talking about the Bulls game. You know, we, it was the fifth year in a row we played Bulls. And in that game, a few times we've led in the second half. And, uh, have, have to their credit, they've found ways to take the game from us, or we've sometimes found ways to enable them to take the game. And it's just been some <laughs> tough losses and against a really good football team. And, um, you know, this year the, the script kind of flipped. We were down by 15 in the fourth quarter and we came back and tied the game and then got the ball back with about a minute left and went down and scored with 15 seconds left to win 43 36. And for our kids to come back and win that game against a high quality opponent, um, in the opposite fashion, you know, we came from behind this year was just huge mentally. Um, and then, uh, that kind of springboarded us, you know, we had some really high quality wins early in the year against Brunswick and Bartram trail Bartram, another team that had beaten us five years in a row and, and to get that win. Um, and then just things just kind of took off from there on defense. We played better and better as the year went on. And, uh, by the end of the year, we were playing, uh, 
pretty good football, pretty high level football, special teams wise. We had one of the best seasons we've had in several years. So just we were playing complimentary football and it was a lot of fun. We had great kids, um, really high level kids, great student athletes. They were fun to be around. And then fortunately in the playoffs, we were able to to make a run. Um, you know, had a big one in the third round with Choctaw, Choctaw, Choctawachi High School. That's who beat us last year to end our season. They had a very, very good football team and got over that hump. And then we're fortunate enough to get to the state semifinal. And like you said, played a, a, a team full of elite talent that is coached at a high level in mainland. And, um, you know, I just read today, two of their guys are going to be playing in the Army All-American game on Saturday. And that's among oh, yeah. several others that, that signed a couple of weeks ago. And um, just an elite collection of players and uh, our kids <laughs> fought and, and uh, now I guess the job is to work really hard and, and try to get back there right, you got to reload now that's the goal <laughs> well, yeah the season like that can do it can be monumental for your team just for your program and for your players to see that success that's awesome stuff coach yeah absolutely absolutely well, perfect we'll shift gears um, into our talk tonight so Matt's going to go ahead and start us off with the first question yeah, Coach, I just kind of want to know about the structure of your defense, kind of what you're doing. We're looking tonight on, as a defensive approach, so just kind of what you do structurally in your defense, like what you're running and what you look for in your personnel to go into that defense. Yeah, so um, we're a hybrid odd and even uh, defense. This year we were we were odd a lot, um, but you could you could think of it as four two five personnel, but the the boundary end is going to be a guy that can do multiple things. Um, so he's a stand-up player for us, um, what we call our Jack Backer, which is is not an uncommon uh, reference for that player. Um, you know, so we're we're primarily a, a six-man box in some capacity, and then our our Sam Nickel player, who for us will always stay to the field. Um, he can be a DB, he could be a true backer. That's going to have impact on what we're going to do coverage-wise. Um, you know, this year for us, that was a safety who was a very very physical kid, so we played him more like a fifth DB and a down safety. Um, we primarily are a split safety team, a lot of cover four. Um, we will, you know, we will come from the field and roll to cover three. That's, that's a change up in our base. Um, you know, we're, we're not a real big uh, people group in general, like our demographic at St. Augustine high school. We're just not the Northern part of our County is massive human beings. We are not down in St. Augustine. So for us, um, we spend a lot of time odd and then we're reducing one way or the other. So if, if we were, if we were to walk out on a field and play a game today, knowing nothing about the opponent, we'd call bench four and we would be reducing from the bench out of an odd four zero four alignment with the Jack backer being the, the fourth man. Um, and we'd be playing cover four as most people now know it, where we're checking the calls on each half of the formation to the distribution of receivers, um, whether we're going to play a, you know, whether we're going to lock it up and, and put the pressure on our DBs and keep the, the box full, whether we're going to, you know, play a two read palms type coverage or whether uh, maybe we want to widen that Sam nickel and have more presence on the slot and get him to the flat and play mm -hmm. what we would call box coverage. Some people call it robber coverage, but those different iterations. And then, of course, to the boundary, um, whether we want to take the boundary X away by doubling him using our boundary safety or or if we don't. And then all the trips checks that, that come with that. So so if we were to line up again, knowing nothing, we would say let's play bench four, um, and then and then we might play what we would call buzzard, which all it does is it just takes our alignments and just puts us where we were going to end up after we slant, and puts us in an even front where we'll have a um, a five technique to the field, uh, a, a two eye 
to the field and then a three and a, and a loose five to the boundary. So that that's our base. And then, of course, out of that look, you know, we can get to a multitude of things. But that's where we started. We've got tough kids who can really run uh, that are aggressive up front. We're not big. Our biggest player on defense this year was 240 pounds. Um, and after him, we had another one that was maybe 230. And then after that, it goes to 215. And, and then a lot are under 200 pounds. So we don't like a lot of the people we're playing. You know, they're, they're really good. And if we're just lining up in a one technique and a three technique, and they know where we're going to be, we're going to have some problems. Um, so, so that, that's, that's us from, from kind of the jump. Yeah. So coach, speaking of that, your defense around here, and obviously I, I grew up in coach in this area, you know, your defense is known for being really disciplined, hard nosed and great tacklers, you know, with the modern rules and practice and everything, how are you able to accomplish this through practice time? You know, like, how are you guys able to, continue to be great tacklers in the open field and, and be hard nosed and all that. Cause obviously we, we can no longer just go to practice and tackle on every drill for two and a half hours straight. Right. right? Florida is kind of taking away some of those rules. So talk about how you've navigated that, that flow and still end up with, with these great defenses that people talk about. I mean, real quick, before you answer it, I, I called multiple coaches on your schedule. I said, tell me about his defense. And almost all of them use the term discipline, good tackling, hard nose, things like that. So it's a real testament to what you're doing over there. So talk about how you fit that in and practice, you know, maybe during the season and also year round. Well, you know, and, and still trying to, we're on like a pursuit of the irreducible minimum. And that's really kind of everywhere, whether it's the weight room, especially in season, the weight room, um, the football field when it comes to contact. Um, so we're trying to fit, we're, we're constantly trying to figure out where do we, where does it need to be a controlled, you know, physical violence session? Um, <laughs> how much of that is needed? Cause I mean, it's, it's a physical game. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the, the best way we tell our kids, the best way to be physical is to be physical. So if we're not being physical in practice, some we ain't going to be physical on Friday. So anyways, all that to say, we do a lot of tackling drills uh, without contact. A lot of tackling drills where obviously we're using dummies. We're using, uh, we're tagging off. We're using the donuts um, because, and we, we, we run pursuit and, and I'll say, you know, you look like a good tackling team when you got three, four, five, seven guys getting to the ball, then That's you all, look like a good, a good tackling team because <laughs> the first guy misses, but then the second and the third don't, and the kid gets cleaned up and it's like, Oh wow, that's a violent, physical, really good tackling team. It's like, well, the first guy missed. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, as well as I do, you know, great effort, great effort and physicality will cover up for a lot of sins on defense. Absolutely. So, so we start there with great effort. Um, but yeah, our, our, our secondary coach, our defensive coordinator, coach man, and, and the rest of our position group coaches do a great job of coaching leverage and pursuit to the football. And our kids do a really, really good job of that. We coach near foot, near shoulder. Like you hear that phrasing constantly, whether it's, oh, yeah. you know, a cut up from the previous game of why we miss tackles and things like that. Um, and then as far as contact, we keep it to a minimum. Um, they're, they're, but we do have a few periods that are kind of non-negotiable. We don't do them every day. You can't do them every day by rule. Yep. But on Tuesdays, for sure, and, and depending on the week, maybe on a Monday, maybe on a Wednesday, depending. But on usually on two of those three days, obviously, we're going to have inside run. And inside run on defense for us is a great period. Our kids are bought into inside run in terms of the physical nature of it. Um, our kids service each other. So like, like we go to inside run and I look up, I run the scout team. That's how important it is to me. And I'm getting after Love the scout coach. team so that they'll come off the ball because you know, as well as I do, if your scout team comes off, 
then the kids across from them, they're going to come off the ball. 100%. So, you know, I look and we've got our, our whole second defensive line in front of me with a couple other kids that are just totally bought in and they get after it. They come off the ball and they take pride in running what the other team runs. And it's, it's a, it's a bloody session. It's short. We'll keep it to eight minutes. It might only be 12 reps and, and no kids getting all 12 reps, but it's got to be that way. And we will never sacrifice that twice a week. That period's got to be that way. The other thing that's really helped our kids from a tackling perspective and physicality, obviously block destruction and making tackles in the open field in the secondary has never been more important than it is now because the ball is getting spit out constantly out to the perimeter. So, and truthfully, you know, I listened to coach salt, Coach Sutherland at Bartram Trail Talk a few years ago, and he talked about how they did good on good screen perimeter drills. You know, uh, Coach, everybody's seen the Coach Coach Smart Clinic drill tape where he calls it Millennial <laughs> Oklahoma. You, you have oh, to yeah. do it. You have to do it because I can't set up a tackling drill where my safety has to come downhill and tackle a, a receiver better than we can do it when we're throwing a now screen to our receivers. So, oh. you know, we do a drill. We're a big vertical choice team on offense. So we do a two-on-two drill where we're either going to get the two-man choice or it's going to be a now screen. So our DBs can't cheat the drill because if you cheat the drill, you're going to get run by. Um, and and honestly, that is the best way that they get better in the open field to block, disengage, and making tackles. We have to be smart. You know, you can't have you know your starting free safety come decapitate your power five receiver in week three of the playoffs. But, you know, we get to spring practice, we're going to do that every other day and it's going to be physical and aggressive. It makes our receivers better blockers, makes them more physical, but you, 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 you get your DBs where they've got to come be violent, get off a block and get a guy on the ground. Um, so inside run and the two on two drill for us are non-negotiables. Like those are things where we're going to sell out and say, we got to be physical and be violent. And then we're going to keep the reps to a minimum to eliminate, you know, or reduce the possibility of an injury, but those are big for us. Yeah. Coach. Two two names there that you listed, uh, Coach Sutherland. If you're a North Florida guy, everyone knows him, and then obviously everybody knows Kirby Smart. Two uh, not not two bad names to be listening to when you're talking about <laughs> yeah. drills and all that. Yeah. So funny enough, Coach Sutherland will be a guest on our show maybe next week. So oh. we'll uh, we'll have that one following up. So that's great to lead I'm into glad our he's next. After show. me, I don't, I'm glad I'm not after him because <laughs> you want to talk about a guy with a lot of wisdom. That'll be awesome. Oh yeah, it'll be fantastic. So, um. I guess, Matt, you got the next one, right? Yeah, I just wanted to say I, I pulled some good things from that. I love the fact that you do that outside perimeter drill where you're sending guys down the field and throwing the now screen. Um, we found that to uh, vastly improve our spring, our screen game and help our DBs on the other side of the ball to, to really be more physical. I heard two other mm -hmm. things I really liked, a controlled violence session <laughs> and a bloody session. I like those things. Sounds like you guys are getting a lot of good group work, Coach, and that kind of took me into my next question, which was about group work. But it you, you already kind of went there, so why don't we go back and say, you know, as a head coach, how do you find that balance between the right amount of indie work and the right amount of, of group work to make sure that you're still refining those individual skills but also putting it together as a team? Yeah, well, I think there's an ebb and flow to that depending on the time of, of period of time you're in. You know, when we – I just got done with my last exit interview with, uh, which is later than, than normal, but we kind of played later than, than typical yeah. um, with, with our corners coach. And, and he was talking about more indie and, you know, and I said, well, when we get to spring ball, um, you know, a lot of things will be indie focused. It'll, it'll be more heavy indie in spring than it will be any other time of year, you know, spring and then fall camp. Um, 
so we're real heavy on it then. And then we try to minimize the group work. And, and I'll say, I'm really fortunate. I've got a great staff of coaches. Um, you know, I've, I've been in situations where there were fewer of us and maybe not as many confident coaches to run Indy at a high level. And in those situations found myself, you know, initiating more group work. Um, if you're confident and, and if you're fortunate like I am to have guys that are really great at what they do at every position group, then you know they're getting a lot done to make the kids better in Indy. So, um, you know, once we get into the season, we kind of follow the same template for the most part. Obviously, the drills can be tweaked and changed appropriate to the opponent. Um, obviously, and, and then the group work stays where it stays typically. But, um, no, it's, it's a constant tweaking and a constant balancing act. And there's even times in the middle of the season where things are getting sloppy and we feel like we've got to open up the Indy time more than we'll do it. Um, so I don't, I don't have the perfect answer to that. It's a constant balancing act. You know, I mentioned earlier we're, we're on a quest to try to reduce the, the irreducible minimum of contact. I'm truthfully on the same quest for the irreducible minimum of practice time. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm, on a, I'm on, a, on, a, on a mission to try to get us to where when we're in season, we're practicing 90 to 100 minutes and never more. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. We, 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 didn't get, we didn't quite get to that. We got close this year. I'll let you know how it goes if we ever get it down to that. But I, <laughs> no, I, I that's a great – that's a great answer to your a great answer to your question, but um, I think a lot of it comes down to knowing your staff, um, knowing what's getting done, and I think the more confident those guys are in what they're teaching, then the more indie time you can afford. Um, there are some high level football programs though that only have a couple of high quality, high level guys running the program, and those programs I know for a fact do a ton of group, and they're making deep playoff runs every year. So I think you can do it multiple ways. Um, at the end of the day, though, I like having as much work done by the individual coach as possible before we go to group. I think that's it empowers the coach and, and only furthers the relationship he's got with his guys. So I think it's important. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and, and coach, if, you know, you talk about uh, may not be the right. Listen, you're in the state championship. It's, it's the right answer for you, and that's the only one that matters, right? You don't have to be right for everyone. You just got to be right sure. for St. Augustine and Clearly, yeah. that's uh, that's hidden correctly. Um, so, you know, I have a question. In the past, you've run this a little bit. I, I don't know if you guys are still doing it. Do uh, you guys still run some three-high stuff? Uh, not as much. Not as much. Love it. Love the three-high stuff. And I tell you, our, our <clears throat> Jack Backer is a multiple kid. Um, he actually was a middle safety his uh, freshman and sophomore years. This year is a junior. Wow. He's about 210 pounds. He's a great athlete. Um. So it's funny you bring that up. Like I, I, I could see us if you've it, to me in a perfect world, I'd like to be able to do what we're doing. But if that kid was athletic enough and smart enough, be able to back him up and do some of the three high stuff. Because for me, there's things that the three high, the three high stuff is just, it's just got an answer for every question against some stuff. Um, but then there's other times that, that we've run into where there are answers to the questions. But if that's not if that's not what you are to your bones, like yeah. getting to those answers can be challenging. And and at St. Augustine High School, kind kind of the reason why we 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 sold out not sold out, but we kind of went back a little bit to schematically how we used to do things is just that's the makeup of our kids. I mean, we got to move our front a bunch, and um, that's just what we've always done, and we've always been successful. One thing about us, we're not going to be big, but we're going to have kids that can run, and we're going to have kids that are strong. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, no, we, we didn't do much of it this year. I, I do think though, with, we've got the right skill set to have that package 
potentially because there are people, there are situations where, especially when you're getting like the, a lot of the 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 horizontal power read game with the with yeah. the play action passes, and when you've got that third safety, you know, so much now with the with the Y off stuff, and if the team's got one that's athletic, there are so many things you can do with that middle safety that take pressure off of everybody coverage wise. Um, so so we'll see. No, coach, I have been. Anyone that knows me knows I've been weirdly obsessed with three high, but I haven't been able to work it all out. I'm big on like, I want to know run fits to everything. Oh. And there's most of the things I figured out, right? Like the three guy being the adjuster and this and that. And obviously mm-hmm. sometimes you can run trap and those corners can be, but I just haven't figured it all out in my head. So maybe one day I'll, I'll pull you aside and pick well, your brain on it. <laughs> I, I, was, I will say, I think, you know, and, and we were fortunate enough, um, you know, our defensive coordinator, uh, spent time uh, years and years ago with um, the coach who is currently the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, Coach Nardo, who he ran that stuff at Emporia. Um, he's running it now at Oklahoma State. Yep. Um, and then we were fortunate to connect with some of the guys at Iowa State. And there's, I mean, it's it's infuriating stuff to the defense if you're holding if you're holding up against yep. every run scheme you're seeing. Yep. Because it feels it just feels like there's nothing that's easy for the offense. It's infuriating for the offense. Um, where, where challenges start to come, ironically, is balance sets. Um, it's different than, you know, you know, for most defenses, it's not until you get, you know, three by ones yeah. and stuff. And, but for us, you know, especially when you start having quality tight ends that are attached and different things like that, um, there, there's a variety of answers. But the other, the, what I wanted to get to, because you just brought it up, I think the teams that are best at that at the college level, they're willing to play a lot of Tampa. Um, yeah. And and that's for us, for us, that's just not who we are, and 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 also to to pressure out of it, things just change, you know, things yeah. just change. So, anyways, there's a lot about it that's awesome, um, but for us, we had to kind of get back more to our our even front roots, even if it's odd moving to an even. Um, we we wanted to get back to our hot pressures and things like that too. So, yeah, I've kind of looked at it as. Um... I don't know if you know this, but I'm more of a saving guy. I kind of use all that terminology and that stuff. So I was like, how do I blend that with some of the saving stuff and still matching it? And I haven't figured it out yet, but I'm, I'm going to. Maybe one day if I decide to go back to coaching, I'll, I'll finally have it by then 10 years down the road, and then no one will run it, and it won't matter. So, <laughs> um, No, absolutely. So that all makes sense. And you talk about adjusting to three and all that, especially with the Y-off stuff. I love that. I'll send you a couple things uh, that are out of the Cover 7 saving book. The check laser is a great way to adjust for that Y going back and forth. I'll text it to you after okay. this. Okay, love it. Um, so awesome. another piece I saw, again, I, I pulled up your highlights, and obviously it's, it's not super telling of your season, but I looked through it, and then I saw some of the kind of, the like you're saying, the nickel from the field pressure drop in Cover 3. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how you guys run that. Clearly a game that I just watched past weekend that they did a lot was Michigan. Michigan yeah. brought that nickel a whole lot spun cover three or something else. So talk yep. about how that works for you guys and uh, and how you've done that throughout the season. Yeah, yeah. First snap of the game in that game, and I yep. think that may have even been Alabama on defense, was the nickel from the field, um, you know, reducing from the field. I think they were in a, in a field front, you know, one and a five and, and came. So I, I was getting my phone out to text my DC that and <laughs> something happened. I ended up not doing it. Um, yeah, I, I tell you what, old old school, and I'm talking old, old school, like 2004, um, 2003 University of Florida uh, field rock three like yeah. lining up in a field front an under front to the field bringing the the Sam nickel and then having your boundary 
your boundary in, be the guy who took the picture off the tackle and then either went to his drop or he could fold back in or he could, depending yeah. on the block, he, that, that, that's still a great defense. Um, you know, for us this year, since we were such a big boundary reduction team, for us, the field reduction was a great change up. And when you put that on the board, so, so we, we would run that whether we were 404 or we might just get into our true even front and then still run it. And, and there's things I like about that version of it as well. Um, you know, from an offensive line perspective, when you reduce out of a four and a zero, that's very different than when you have a five and a one technique cross face. Oh, yeah. That's very, very different to an offensive line. So, so we, we run it out of both looks. We like it both ways. Um, the, uh, for us, that was huge in the playoffs. Um, we had back-to-back playoff games, I think third round and fourth round, where in talking with our defensive coordinator at halftime, we had not run it much in the first half, if at all. And it was just time to change up the look. We just needed to change up the look. We needed to come from the field. There were things about coming from the field and spinning to cover three that we maybe didn't love. We maybe didn't love it against the RPO game. That can be challenging. Um, when you get your 230 backers sucked up, you got to post safety. Yeah, he can do all the cheat stuff and try to come down and hit the glance from the <laughs> slot. That sounds great. And if, and if that guy's going to play in the NFL, it's awesome. But if that guy's a high school football player, that's tough. It's not as easy as it sounds because he's trying oh, yeah. to play a cheap post and now they're drop back pass and running four verticals and that's not so hot. So anyways, um, but for us, it's such a change up. We play so much quarters that when we roll the coverage and we go to cover three and we're just playing zone drop cover three, there's nothing fancy about it. Corners are still reading two, just like they would do if we were playing palms. It's just the response is different to what two does. You know, if two's up, yeah. I'm up, got to be ready to overlap and all that jazz and cover three. When we do that, we get a ton of the quarterback patting the ball and we get <laughs> home or we get bad decisions late where they throw the ball to us out of that simple call. Just instead yeah. of bench four, we just go field three. And in the third round and in the fourth round, that happened in both games. Quarterback just was disheveled. It's a different look. They haven't closed the post at all, hardly at tonight. Um, the, the front, you know, now all of a sudden we're coming from the field. Most offenses, when they pass protect, it's half slide, half man. They're yep. going to man the field side. People don't come from the field as much. We're coming with the jack the whole night. So they want to slide to our jack. Our jack was our best pass rusher. And now all of a sudden you get your field rusher coming and he's one-on-one -on -one with a back. So, oh, yeah. you know, our Mike had multiple sacks this year because he'd be the guy at checks to coming off the three receiver side. Yep. And he's one-on-one -on -one with a back and he's going to win that every time. Um, you know, like I said, we had huge interceptions in the third and fourth round. So that's a big one for us that on the board is like, it's not a big deal. What is that? You know, and, and, and we're always a little apprehensive because of the RPO <laughs> game, but I, I just, I swear when we run it, it is successful. It also changes up our fits a little bit, which I like. Um, it pushes our mic and our will brings our, um, and, and brings our Jack into the fit in a different manner. And, um, changes the fits up a little bit. I love it against the the lateral power read game or even the downhill power yeah. read game coming from the field. Um, we can, we can really get guys over top of the reduction, get our mic and our wheel both over top of the reduction and kind of bottle things up. So I, I love that Sim. Um, it's great. You know, that was, was a big one for us. It always will be if you're a boundary reduction team, field reduction is going to be the compliment. Um, and then interior Sims, you know, we ran yeah. a ton of those this year, too, and would love to talk about that a little bit if we get to that. Um, let's get to it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Y'all so go ahead. We, yeah, no. So, um, 
you know, our, our Mike Backer, a stud player, a kid named Drake Lusk, he signed with a Bryant University, uh, a steal for, for Bryant. He'll be a great player there. 6'1", 210 pounds, can roll. Both our Will linebackers, two juniors, a kid named Mateo and a kid named Caleb, both aggressive, physical kids. So um, we've always been a double A gap, you know, 2013, 2014, Michigan State, hot pressure team. You know, let's bring it. Um, love sending the two inside guys because now in your hot coverage, you've got your Sam Nickel and your boundary safety, and they're just they've got great leverage on everything. So we took the interior cross dog pressure that you know Georgia made real famous probably three yeah. four years ago. They ran it as almost like a base, right? Um, and we took that and decided we're going to feature these guys first of all. There's some of our you know our Mike's our best player on defense. We got to feature this kid. He's big, strong. He can. He's fast. Um, and we ran a base version of it where it's a sim that can turn into a, it's going to be a, a four man where we can still play all of our cover four calls with our Jack and our field end dropping out. We played it as a cover one uh, sim where our Jack and our field end are share rushing the back. Yep. And then we also ran it where it was a six man and we played hot behind it, which we've been doing for, you know, 10 years at St. Augustine. So the the one that we never really got to in a game just because it just, you know, it's high school. There's only so much you feel like you can do is the one where we would run the cross dog in the middle and then have the, the jack in our field end uh, drop and play quarters behind it. And that's the hardest one because yeah. now your, your field ends having to understand how to play Mike backer and cover four. <laughs> and, and he's never going to do it like the Mike. And a lot of times you can, you're okay as long as he just knows what he's pushing to. But still, we just never got to that one. But we ran the cover one and the hot one a ton. And to make it easy for our kids, um, cover one, and, and you guys know, cover one, when you've now got Y off in the backfield, multiple backs in the backfield, cover one can get real dicey. Yeah. So we made it easy on our kids. We see so much 10 personnel, known passing situations. We want to play tight coverage, but we want to get pressure with four. We would call the cover one version. But if we got two backs for some reason, well, now there's only three distributed in the pass distribution. So if we got multiple guys in the backfield, we just checked it to the hot version. So for yeah. our kids, we took a lot of the craziness you can get with, you know, two backs in the backfield and guys crossing, trying to play cover one. And that was how we did that and simplified it for our kids. But in the, in the hot version, the, the cover one version was different for us. In the hot version or the, the true sim, you know, and we, we use, it's an inside pressure. So we called them, uh, um, Colts is our six man hot. And whoever's got the tailback offset to him, he's just face blitz in the center. The other backer is going to blitz off of him. So that yeah. way your second backer, and we went to that this year instead of just sending them both of their A-gaps because you can get hurt in gap runs with that stuff. Well, yes. with the second one blitzing off the first guy. So now if it's a gap or a zone run, you're going to get that first blitzer off the butt of the center, and he can get penetration and cause problems. If they do a good job and they see him, if the second one is blitzing off of him, he's going to see the guard pull, and he just opts out of hitting the blitz. Uh, that's taking him to his read anyways. Um, so that was really, really good for us. We flip it in the cover one version because we're share rushing the back. We flip it where the man who has the back is just plugging his A-gap no matter what. It is a violent penetration. And then the second rusher is the face read off the center. And a lot of that is because a lot of times your back is going to be opposite your center. Yeah. And what happens is is you're going to end up getting a guy free eventually. Um, there, there's a lot more to the cover one. Since we're share rushing the back, yeah. Our guys, you know, and I, I know how much we can describe, but our, our two guys share rush in the back for, for people who, who know what that looks like. 
if I've got the back to me, I'm expecting him out potentially. Yeah. I know that I potentially could have to peel off and play him. Both are down inside guys. They're running cop, you know, they're copping through the hip of the tackle. They're the contained rushers. If I've got the back and he steps up to protect, it's just going to turn into like an old TE stunt. I'm going to yeah. fold in, hug him up. But what's happened, if he stepped up to protect, he's getting spilled by one of those inside backers that was blitzing. So I'm going to see that in front of me. Like I'm going to see him have to block and I'm going to insert into the pressure and be free pretty quickly. It sounds complicated. And, and like well, as we were installing this last spring, our coaches were really apprehensive about it. But I equate it to a corner. I equate it to a corner who needs a defender on the line of scrimmage between a tight end and a wing so he can get a run pass read. Yeah. If I've got a guy in a nine technique. I'm going to get a run pass read from that wing real quick and I can come play. Well, when our backer is spilling that back when he steps up to protect, our rapper, our looper, is going to see that happen very quickly. So he's going to know, is this guy trying to check down and leak out? Is he trying to protect what's happening? And he'll add in quickly. So for us, that the interior pressures um, were great. They were a great way to put pressure on offensive lines. Um, we were slanting laterally so much. It was, it was a completely different entry point for our defense. And then to be able to play hot coverage, to be able to play uh, quarters behind it, or to do it and play tight coverage in a known passing situation and play cover one for us was was great. And truthfully, we've talked about you know bench reduction, field reduction, um, a little bit of even front, and then the ability to send six yeah. or have it be a four-man sim. That's about in high school, about all we felt like we could accomplish. You know, you still yeah. got goal line defense and some other stuff, you know. So that's pretty much where we lived in those those few schemes. Yeah. You ever bring the corner, coach? Which is my favorite thing. We we have. We didn't do it this year. Uh <laughs> we we you know, we, we threw the kitchen sink at the kids through the summer. Yeah. And we, we did that. We did that in the summer and just you know. It's it's so hard. It's so hard with high school kids. And I, I mean, I would say it's probably hard at any level. Um, just what we feel like we can get to and, and execute competently. But yeah, bringing them, oh, yeah. especially in high school because the hashes are so wide. Yep. Like bringing the corner is awesome. <laughs> it gets there. It's easy. Yeah, Coach, that's actually easy. Our, our first install in my defense. And I, I was 425 guys. Well, our first install was corner blitz. And wow. I used to piss off OCs on like day three. Like, you're bringing the corner. I'm like, it's our first blitz install. Like, I can't help it. That's what well, in a lot of ways. It's, it's yeah, serious. in a lot of ways, it's the, it's the easiest way to get there. Yeah. It's so. our boundary version of what you were just talking about. Instead of bringing a safety or the will, we just bring the corner. And that's right. how we played it. So. Right. That's yeah. great, Coach. I, Coach, awesome description of your, your field pressure, your interior sims. And I love how the one thing you said is something I love. And I always go back. I talk about him all the time. Maybe he'll come on the show. But Cody Alexander talks a lot about that. Um, you know, you build your simulated pressure, but with the same path, you can build a four-man pressure. You can build a five-man pressure like you're talking about the hug cover one. And you can build a six-man pressure. And so grouping those together were, hey, everybody knows the path in this. They just have mm -hmm. to figure out whether it's four or five or six man based on the call. Right. I think that's a great teaching technique, right? Don't What do they call that in classroom? Scaffolding or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, but that's what it is, coach. That's why right. we talked about, and we were on a different podcast last night. We're like, look, football coaches are the best teachers in America. I don't care what anyone says, mm -hmm. because we teach the most complex things to kids on, on a daily basis. That, you know, you go to an English class and <laughs> you feel like sometimes they don't learn anything. For sure. But then they're out there running the sim pressure, a cover one pressure and a hot pressure all off a one word call in a heartbeat just because coach said it. So it's well, fantastic. It's about, it's about <laughs> those. Um, it's about those. 
those reproducible skills that have carry over to multiple calls. Oh yeah. And you know, like, like in the cover one version of that, which, you know, the, uh, the, the hot version was, was Colts, the, the cover four versions Manning, you know, that's, that's what it is. You know, when you steal it from the Georgia playbook and then for us, the cover one version was Pacers. So we just, we yep. just, um, took everything and categorized them as either uh, NFL teams, the NFL quarterback or the basketball team. So yep. the kids know if it's the basketball team, this is the cover one where we're share rushing in some capacity. It's the cover one version. We're playing man. So our back yeah. end kids, there's no confusion, you know, and, and things like that. If it's a, if it's Colts or it's saints or it's this, they, they know those NFL mascot, those are hot pressures. They know we're playing hot coverage behind it and we're sending six and we're rolling. Um, but even within them, like if, if I'm a, if I'm a, a, a three technique and I have a cop, well, the, the, the cop is the same as what we call a jet where I am racehorsing through the inside hip of the tackle. It's just, I know that if it's a cop, I'm going to jet, but then I've got to, I've got to contain the quarterback after I've jetted because yep. if we're running the six man version, we don't need him to cop. We don't need him to get out there. So he Correct. just understands like if it's the, if it's the Pacers version, the man free version, I've got to be ready. I'm still jetting doing the same thing I would do if it was Colts, but like I got, I understand now I've got a cop and he has to do that in other things too. So we yeah. run a ton of, you know, we call it punch, you know, the read TE stunt from the boundary. We do it a ton. It's a, it's an answer. You know, if we're, if we're doubles and we're thinned out in the box and the back is to the field and we yeah. want to funnel the zone to the boundary, well, we want to run the TE where now only, we only need one backer in the box. We're good to go. Um, well, that stunts the same thing that they're going to execute when I'm share rushing the back. If he steps up, it's the same exact thing. So we run a pirate, you know, a pirate's another answer we have in our boundary reduction. If we've yep. got doubles, we've got an empty B gap to the field and we're going to have an empty A gap to the boundary. Well, that's a problem because we don't have two backers in the box. So our will, when he walks out, is going to pirate those guys. That's that's yep. that's literally day one. Doubles, especially back to the boundary. Pirate yep. them. you got an easy outside end fit on the quarterback. The mic will get the rock all the way back and, and, and boom, we're good. We have answers. Well, that pirate is the same thing that they're going to do if if we were to bring the corner from the boundary. It's the same thing. Oh, so yeah. it's teaching those reproducible, you know, chunks and then just applying them in different, different calls. Tools in the toolbox. I love the fact that you said that uh, making those reproducible skills that fit into uh, multiple calls. That's, that's awesome stuff, coach. You're crushing my questions before I even get to them, by the way, <laughs> um, because my next, my next question was going to be, you know, as soon as I saw that you had, a uh, boundary end in a stand-up position, nickel to the field. I'm thinking boundary pressure as an offensive line coach. That's mm -hmm. just where my mind goes. This is going to be a – I'm going to get boundary pressures all over the place. Um, so, you know, and it's exactly what you said. I'm going to half slide to the boundary. I'm going to man to the field. And then you exactly covered that uh, with your uh, field pressures you talked about. Um, so that was kind of just what I was going to. So I'll hit the other side of it. How much does personnel play into your decisions on blitzing and sending these pressures? Yeah, well, we've we've probably never fired. I mean, again, like this year, we had a mic. The kid can just really, really run, um, and and he's he's just he's a really good player. So, I mean, um, we've probably not fired that kid as much. Our our Sam Nickel, while he's a tough, aggressive, physical football player, not a great guy when he came off the edge. So that was another thing that kind of held us back a little bit from running in as much as we have in the past, our field reduction. Um, so, and, and, and then for us, our, our Jack, you know, this kid, he's, 
he's he's a great athlete. He's he's big and strong, and he can really move. And but he was far and away probably our best pass rusher, and then also our our boundary four techniques, our best D lineman. So so you you know in that boundary reduction, we're hoping as much as possible to get a one on one with him on a guard and get a one on one with our jack. Um, so you know it kind of all connects because exactly what you just said, I've had to coach the offensive line um, as a head coach and it was, it was challenging, but I knew right away, like the one thing I don't want this odd front to do is come from the field much. I just don't, that's just, that's just irritating because with a four man rush, they're either getting on my back, making us check the ball down or we're having to change what we're comfortable doing, which is sliding to the boundary. And they come from the boundary more to begin with. So like, I don't want this team that comes from the field, you know, once every six or seven snaps, I don't like that. Um, so anyways, it kind of all works together. Um, you know, our, like I said, our Sam nickel, great cover guy, great dominant player on the perimeter, not a great blitzer though. Um, sometimes would lose his mind a little bit. So we didn't do it as much. Um, if we were getting a lot of three by one, we loved the field reduction because that brought our mic off the edge now. Um, so we'd probably call it even more then. Um, but yeah, personnel plays a lot into it also like, like how well your kids can move. Um, you know, and, and and we've had some, we've had years where we just got dominant D linemen, and then we don't need to do all that stuff. You know, maybe we want to run more more D line movements and games, um, and let those guys just work, and those will be the 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 ways that we give a different look to the line. Um, so you know, for us, definitely personnel based. Um, our wills were probably the most pedestrian pass rushers, so we sent the wills less than we ever have. You know, one thing one thing that we like. And I think they call them the, like you're talking about Cody Alexander, they call them the big 12 uh, pressures where you just bring your will from the, from some, some mixture of your boundary tackle, your Jack and your will bring a five man, play your cover four to the field, lock it up to the boundary. If you're a cover four team, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's so simple. It's so easy. But for us, our, our wills just weren't the same blitzer as our Mike and they just weren't going to get home a lot. So we didn't do much of that this year. And that's, you know, that's a personnel thing too. So. Yeah, it's yeah, gotta be a kid a who's sudden and, and violent that if you're gonna be sending them. Yeah, I had that at, at Oakleaf. Uh the one year in twenty seventeen, we were super athletic across the board. Our Will, who I love to this day, was our least effective blitzer. So we brought that boundary safety all the time. We brought the corner and then we played lock over there. And we were okay with locking our will sometimes in coverage, but not you know, in bringing those more effective mm-hmm. guys because they hit home so quickly. Mm-hmm. Our will had to cover for like two seconds, which was perfect right. for him. So um, all right. What's, what's your favorite pressure coach at all those that you just talked about? What's the one that is just your favorite, even if it's not one you guys run a bunch, but you're like, look, this is just my favorite. You know, I, I would have said it was old school. You know, I remember uh, coach Wiles, who obviously I worked for coach Wiles for a long time as defensive oh, yeah. coordinator at St. Augustine. And, um, anything we do good on defense is primarily because of stuff we learned from him. Um, but old school Penn state slide smoke, what we call silver, just Sam will off the edge, six man, zero pressure. Yep. Um, as simple as it is, it has been good to us for 15 years. Um, and it's weird. We should call it more often because it always just works. <laughs> um, but no, we've always loved that. We've, we've gotten to that version where it's the mic and the will off the edge and we play hot behind it. Um, so yeah. we can again, kind of pair that up that way. Um, I, but I would say this year, um, I love, I mean, it's not a pressure. I, I love to, to change up the look. I love, I love field reduction. It, it, yeah. it was, and the reason I keep bringing it up, it was a constant thing on our headsets. Our DC would laugh of me being like, come from the field. Coach, I don't like, come from the field. 
Coach, I'm really like, no, we're kind of come from the field. Like, um, so I, I love it. I just love change up the look. But then our, our interior stuff where we're face reading the center, how we yeah. do it now, uh, we had gotten away from it when we were just hitting the back. We were either hitting the A gaps or it was a predetermined cross off the back. I yeah. like how we're doing it now where it's the guy who has the back is face reading the center and then the second one is blitzing off of that read, like off yeah. of that. So if he's blitzing off of his buddy who's hitting, you know, off the butt of the center, he's going to see opposite color cross if either guard pulls. Correct. So um, I love that. That was super effective for us this year. So right now I'd say it's definitely that one. So it's awesome. I love it. I'm a big blitz guy, obviously. Matt? <clears throat> yeah. You want, you want the last question for me? Uh, um, it's the last question. I always ask the last one, but yeah. All righty. Coach, program question here. All right. Yep. Not your typical program question. I was trying to think of something. Imagine you can't be the Yellow Jackets anymore. St. Augustine has a rich history. What are you going with? Like 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 a new mascot? Yeah, Coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got some ideas I'll rattle off here in a minute. I, mean, I want to know. You got to change it. What are you going to change it to? We could be the Fighting Menorcans. Uh, that's that's Ooh. I'm Menorcan, and a lot of a lot of native St. Augustinians are, are Menorcan. Um, we, we could be the tourists because we're <laughs> surrounded by tourists, in San, especially this time of year in oh, St. Yeah. Augustine. Night of lights, man, and um, all that. We we could be the seniors because there are a lot of senior citizens who move to Northeast Florida. So I'm just throwing these are just off the top of my head of things that I'm stuff. thinking in, in St. Augustine. We could be the um, I was going to say some, maybe something related to a high cost of living. Um, (laughs) Broke. We could be broke. (laughs) Yeah. 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 The broke. I love it. Love it. Coach. I was coming up with like Royals explorers. I figured you'd go that route, but I like that. I like the path you took much better. The the conquistadors. Yeah. Yeah, There's, there's, you know, a lot of fun new ways we could go with that. We, we write out a few questions and we kind of color code them when we talk to people and, Matt goes, hey, hey, I added some questions. I looked down there, and the way he worded it was a joke to me. I knew he wasn't going to ask it like that. But he said, given the history of St. Augustine, do you think they could have come up with a better mascot than Yellow Jacket? And I busted out laughing. I, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of cool things you could. I mean, like, like Sea Breeze is the Sand Crabs. We could easily be yeah. the Sand Crabs. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, something, something like, like, I, I mean, unique. Yeah, and the school names in St. John's County are kind of funny because you got Beachside High School, which is the fourth closest to the beach in our county. Yeah, it's not at the beach. And there, you think like we would have an ocean type name? St. Augustine's a fishing city, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, you have uh, around St. John's we, County, you have the Bears, the Barracudas, the Toros, the Panthers, yes. the Knights, the Knights. That's Creekside. The what's uh, what's Menendez is the Falcons, yeah. So Falcons. it's it's all over the board. Well, there's and there. So do, do you know we weren't always the Yellow Jackets? Did you know that? No, I, I didn't, didn't know that. that. No oh, history lesson time. Here we go. Oh, yeah. I don't remember. I don't know the year. I don't know the year. But uh, so St. Augustine High School has not always been St. Augustine High School. We were Ketterlinas High School long, long, long ago. Okay, Ketterlinas High School, I think, became St. Augustine High School when the current property with the school, current school that's there now. Um, opened in 1960, 1959, 1960, we became St. Augustine High School. Wow. We were the mullets, the mullets. Oh, coach. Think about all the cool, all the cool nautical animals. And we were the mullets. So we were the mullets. And only thing worse would be like the shrimp. So we were the mullets and Palatka 
the, the way the story goes, and this is like 60s maybe, we lose to Palaka, and Palaka on our campus has strings up from the light poles a bunch of mullet all over the place. So <laughs> the the school decided this is enough, and I'm glad. We're not going to be the mullets anymore. And then soon thereafter, we became the Yellow Jackets. Long well, before any of us were born. But that's a team would have, Your team would have the best haircuts in the state, Coach. <laughs> well, that is a good point. That I didn't think about that. Baseball team would be really happy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? With the flat bills and the mullets, they'd be fantastic. Be All wonderful. right, Coach. So we ask this question to every coach that comes on the podcast last. Um, we tell the joke. Uh, somebody's going to figure out eventually when they start listening to the podcast, because we literally have tens of followers. I'm, I'm ready. I think we, we ask every coach, what's the most unique thing your program does or, or what's one thing that your program does that no one else does. That's the best out there. Yeah. You know, I, I think you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of answers that might've made sense. Like when I started working for coach Wiles, I could name a bunch of things that I think we were doing at St. Augustine that other people weren't doing in 2004. Um, as the proliferation of information has gone out, like anybody who's decent now, they're lifting hard. Anybody who's decent now, they're working hard through the summer. They're doing all these things. So in really trying to think of like what kind of separates us um, or, or what, I don't know if it's something that we necessarily do well, but I think it's something that we've got going in a great direction and it's really good for us and it's unique for us. We've just, we've got an environment and a culture where our athletic director was our state championship quarterback. Our offensive coordinator played on our state championship team, won two national championships and played in the NFL and grew up in St. Augustine. Um, there's 12 of us on staff that played at St. Augustine and there's, there's there's such a level of account and everybody talks about accountability and like there is such a level of accountability in our program and it's not even like we have to be militaristic about it like our kids want it and it almost seems like they're brainwashed after their freshman year and they're just cool with it and um so i mean, so if i was going to say like what makes our program unique you know we had a kid transfer last june and i think this is a great way to put it we had a kid transfer. He's a good player. He transferred last June. And at the end of the summer, our DB coach asked him, they said, what, what, what's it like here compared to anywhere? You know? And he's like, coach, I can't believe how demanding you guys are of the players and how hard you are on them. And they never complain about it. And they never argue about it ever. And if, and, and this is the kid saying this, and he said, and if a younger kid wants to, an older kid immediately addresses it. And, and you know, when, I, when our, my assistant told me that, I think one thing that our coaches do a great job of, and I really try to foster, is we develop an immense amount of trust uh, with our kids that we are able to really, really, really push them hard in everything, whether it's the discipline that we administer to them for grade checks in March all the way to to the running in June and July to to how demanding we are of them in the football season. So I know that's a roundabout answer, but I think something that we've got really good, and I'm fortunate to have a guy in the weight room every day in Joey Lippo who is, he's incredible because his middle name should be accountability. So our kids are with him every single day. 
And, and so I think that's something our program right now is at a sweet spot. You know, it's not easy or nobody's perfect. Of course, we have we have our own issues and problems. But we we right now have a way of being able to love our kids while holding them extremely accountable and having to do the hard things to discipline them, but with total buy in from the kids. And that's whether we were seven and four a year ago or 13 and one this year. So it's not just because, you know, we're winning a bunch year to year. So I think that that's something that our coaches are all committed to. Our coaches are committed to serving their hearts before their talent, meaning we're going to make the hard decisions to hold you accountable to what's going to be good for you when you're 35, not just get you to Friday night. Because that's easy yeah. to do. It's easy to just get a kid to Friday night because he's a really good player. Um, so I think that's probably one of the best things that we do. And I think that pays big dividends um, on the field. And I think it pays big dividends just in the relationships we get to build with these kids and pays dividends for them down the road. So I think. If I had to try to pinpoint one thing, it's just the culture and the relationships and the level of accountability that our kids are willing to accept, I think is rare. And I'm grateful for them that they do that. Yeah. And I think it's kind of cool that you said throughout that entire school is alum, St. Aug alum everywhere. So that's a, a really cool thing because you're constantly reminded of what came before in that program. And it, it's been good for a long, long time there. You say that you got there in 2004, coach? Uh, yep. Yeah. Fall of 2004 is my first one there. Back coaching. All right. So I want you to think about the fall of 2004 <clears throat> game one. You took a trip down to the river. All right. <laughs> you played the fighting crusaders of Bishop Kenny and out there skinny white kid at corner wearing number eight was Kyle Bradburn. How intimidated were you of, well, of that 160 pounds soaking wet standing out that, there? That was, that was <laughs> the preeminent factor in the game plan. Yeah. Was, <laughs> said no one ever <laughs> so um which is funny because i think your your oc was on that team as well yep yeah yep. he took a jet sweep like 63 yards like he could do that he could, he yep. could probably still do it right now he's yes that's guy yes i kind of <laughs> ran after him not catching him but i was kind of running after him at you're, it. you're in good really, company really big angle <laughs> so we, i tell you when, when when you can hand the ball to guys like that you look like really good coaches it's fun <laughs> Dixon, in case you're wondering, that guy went to Florida, was a pretty good player. Mm. Yeah, so. yeah, UF Hall of Fame, in fact. <laughs> yeah, as, as much as I hate Florida and everything that has anything to do with that, that guy was a pretty darn good player. But, uh, well, Coach, thank you uh, for coming on tonight. We really appreciate you. If you're out there listening, uh, you can tune in on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple. We release episodes every Wednesday. Our goal for 2014 is to do 52, so we are well on our nice. way here. Uh, to 52 in 2014. Again, if you want to reach out to us, we're on Twitter at Board Drill Pod. We are on uh, Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're even on TikTok now where we do some shorts, having a good time on there. And then if you want to reach out to us uh, via email, give us any suggestions, tell us we suck, tell us who we need to get on here, what we need to talk about. That is the Board Drill Podcast at gmail.com. So those are all the ways to get a hold of us. We'd love for you to reach out. You can tweet at us, do anything you like. Uh, we'd love to hear more from you. And if you have any questions for Coach Braddock, let us know. We'll be happy to reach out to him and get the answer for uh, for you if you have any questions on anything you talked Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Matt, closing remarks? Um, first of all, you're 2024, uh, not 2014. You're like 10 years behind there. 2014? Coach, uh, Coach Braddock. Pride and loyalty are evident in your program, Coach, the way it sounds. And uh, it's really awesome to see coaches like you out there. Um, I mean, just the way you present yourself 
way you present your program. Um, we need more guys out you out there like you, and uh, just especially really good stuff state. today, especially <laughs> in this state. You're 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 a, you're a like, prized possession. We need to hold on to in the state of Florida. Don't let them go. Great, <laughs> uh, appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. All right, uh, yeah. we're signing off. We will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Paul.